Following Lithuania, Slovakia and the Czech Republic, Poland has become the fourth European country to pledge COVID vaccine donations to Taiwan. Local scholars believe the trend reflects deepening relations between Taiwan and Europe. Following the U.S. and Japan's initial vaccine donations back in June, more and more countries in Europe, after assessing their current relations with China and Taiwan, have decided to side with the latter. A plane touched down at Taoyuan International Airport. This was no ordinary plane. It carried 400,000 doses of AstraZeneca vaccines donated by Poland. The EVA Air Flight BR-66 arrived at 6.15 a.m. Sunday morning from Vienna. Soon after, the vaccines were unloaded and sent for inspection. The shipping container was sprayed thoroughly with disinfectant before the vaccines were transported to a cold chain warehouse for inspection. Health Minister Chen Shizhong, Deputy Foreign Minister Zhen Houren, and Bartosz Rysz, acting head of the Polish office in Taipei, were on hand to welcome the shipment's safe arrival. President Tsai Ing-wen also expressed her gratitude on Facebook. She mentioned that, like Taiwan, the four European countries had all endured long journeys towards democracy. The vaccine donation not only reflected amicability between Taiwan and Poland, it underscored once again democratic solidarity in the face of the pandemic. Poland was the fourth European country to pledge vaccine donations to Taiwan. The first was Lithuania with 2,000 doses on June 22nd. Then Slovakia on July 16th pledged 10,000 doses, followed by 30,000 from the Czech Republic. Poland's donation came as an even greater surprise with 400,000 doses. Of course, the U.S. and Japan had set an example back when Taiwan faced a vaccine shortage. From Poland's perspective, it is showing that they don't need to rely so heavily on China, nor do they need predatory investments from China. Scholars believe the European countries sent vaccines to Taiwan because they were not afraid of China. Apart from Lithuania, the three other Central and Eastern European countries, which are Lithuania's neighbors, are still part of China's 17 plus 1 initiative. Still seeing the U.S. backing Taiwan, they chose to ignore China's warning and pressurizing, and instead extended a helping hand to democratic Taiwan. If China's relations with and influence on these countries can be kept under control, cooperating with Taiwan is possible. And when national interests can be better secured, these countries will normally choose to strengthen their relations with Taiwan. Poland, under communist rule, or the Polish People's Republic, had a similar history to Taiwan under martial law. The Poles have always been opposed to authoritarian rule. Stan, a Pole living in Taiwan, pointed out Poland's disapproval of China over Xinjiang and Hong Kong. The Polish foreign ministry had, on these issues, voiced support for freedom and democracy. This time, the Polish Ministry of Foreign Affairs tweeted the country's vaccine donation and even showed Taiwan's national flag in the post. However, the tweet had been stealthily deleted, most likely having resulted from China's pressurizing. The Polish foreign ministry's tweet, for whatever reason, cannot be seen for now, but I think we'd all respect our friend's decision. If they had run into a problem, we can understand that. What's most important is the real meaningful exchanges between the two countries' peoples. 
Along with Poland's shipment, another 410,400 doses of AstraZeneca vaccines arrived through COVAX later in the afternoon, with another 810,400 doses in its arsenal. The CECC hoped that the public will be more willing to get vaccinated and boost the nation's vaccine coverage. Last week, three new confirmed cases of COVID came from EVA Air pilots arriving from Chicago. On Sunday, contact tracing results for two of the cases came out. Only one of the pilot's sons had been confirmed with COVID. Despite that, 11 flight attendants who came in contact with the two cases were sent to quarantine facilities. After a long night's wait, all of their PCR test results came back negative. Let's hear from the health minister. We identified 315 people and tested all of them. 269 came back negative. The only positive result was the previously tested case number 16122. 45 others are still being tested. For now, apart from case number 16122, there are no new cases. After the pilots were confirmed with COVID, 1.1 million people received text messages warning of potential contact with COVID carriers. This has caused many to clear pharmacy shelves of rapid test kits. The shelves will be restocked Monday at the earliest. Although much of the population has yet to receive the first dose of COVID vaccine, the government is already looking at who should be getting a third dose. Breakthrough infections are now a serious threat after several EVA Air pilots tested positive for COVID, even after having had two doses of vaccine. CECC head Chen Shizhong revealed over the weekend that plans are being made for flight crew members to get a third shot. But some experts disagree. They think high-risk groups such as frontline medical workers and severely ill patients ought to get priority to receive a third dose. Everyone will be able to get a third dose of vaccine, but it seems no one has reached the time to get the third dose. Now, if it has to be administered, we are making such a plan. With several EVA Air pilots infected, CECC head Chen Shizhong revealed that a third shot of vaccine for flight crew members is being planned. This has led to lively discussion among medical professionals. If you require pilots to get a third shot, then what about medical workers? Should they also get a third shot? Many of us have had the first shot and have yet to get the second one. Are those who've gotten the second one getting priority? All this will depend on the vaccine supply and will require a comprehensive assessment. In countries where there are community infections, those who get a third shot are high-risk people with severe illnesses, the elderly, those with underlying health conditions, and medical workers. Most experts agree that given the current situation Taiwan is in, frontline medical workers and high-risk groups 65 years and older should get priority to get the third dose. But which vaccine should be administered? If we're going to mix vaccines, we should consider next-generation vaccines because next-generation vaccines are made with variant strains in mind. They are more effective against variant strains. But since we don't have next-generation vaccines yet, if we are going to mix vaccines, we will have to look at the experimental results.
There are cases overseas where people had been vaccinated quite early, but with the passage of time, their antibody levels decreased and they got breakthrough infections. We should target this group as recipients of a third dose. However, given the limited supply of vaccines in Taiwan, former CDC head Shu Yiren thinks the government is moving in the wrong direction, endeavoring to vaccinate 60 percent of the population at least once by year end. He believes priority should be given to the elderly, who should get the full two-dose course before everyone else. This is how severe illnesses and deaths can be effectively reduced should the Delta variant really become a threat in Taiwan. The Delta variant will continue to mutate and other new variant strains may come out. What we can do is control our borders as much as we can to reduce the impact on Taiwan. At present, if possible, in addition to vaccinating the population with the first dose, it is even more necessary for high-risk groups to receive two doses within the time determined by clinical trials and scientific evidence. How should vaccines be distributed so that the people of Taiwan can be best protected? That's the question to which both the CECC and medical experts have to jointly find an answer. Well, the long-awaited Pfizer vaccines are here. The CECC announced Sunday that the current batch of 930,000 doses will be administered to teenagers starting September 23rd. The COVID-19 vaccines will be administered on the 23rd. We expect to administer the vaccine that week, starting with high school students and then junior high school students. However, at around the same time, the HPV vaccine, which helps prevent cervical cancer, will also be administered. Some parents are concerned that the two vaccines will be given too close to each other, to which the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices says vaccine shots should be given at least seven days apart. The HPV vaccine will be administered to female eighth graders first, whereas the Pfizer vaccine will be administered to high school students first and then junior high school students. If local authorities follow the SOP, the two vaccines will be set apart by at least seven days. So parents need not worry. Anyone who's been to Jingmen County would have seen its unique wind lion god statues called Shisa. The reason there are so many Shisa is because the locals have long suffered from sandstorms, and so they installed lion gods to ward off wind. For about a decade now, forestry experts have been trying to create a windbreak for Jingmen by getting trees to grow along the sandy coast. Thanks to a new planting method introduced in 2019, they're finally seeing a measure of success. Join us as we go to Jingmen to visit its rapidly changing landscape. Chinese guardian lions have stood guard over Jingmen for a century. They're believed to protect the people from the punishing ocean winds. But today, a new army of protectors is rising up on the offshore county. An excavator clears the road of sand. This sand, which blows in every winter with the northeasterly monsoons, is a regular source of frustration for locals. 
although it's already the start of March, not a bit of green is seen along the sides of this industrial road due to the sand. When the wind blows, that sand blows freely all over the road. The sand will completely cover the road. Of course, this is an inconvenience for people driving in and out of here, so we clear it up with excavators or plows. Sand blown about by the wind is a big threat to Jingmen in the winter, not only to the industrial roads, but also to the nearby Jinhu Reservoir. Sand blowing into the reservoir slowly reduces its capacity. Not only does the sand sink to the bottom of the reservoir itself, it also clogs its drainage channels. If a sandstorm is followed by torrential rain, the channels are unable to carry away the excess water and nearby farms become flooded. Before the rain hits, we have to bring an excavator to clear out a drainage channel so the water can be properly drained. It may be hard for people to imagine today, but during the Ming Dynasty, Jinmen was dense with lush vegetation. It wasn't until around the time of Kashinga that Jinmen's appearance began to change. When Koxinga was preparing his assault on Taiwan proper, he was set up in Jinmen. While in Jinmen, he had several of the trees cut down. Why did he cut them down? To make carts, wheels, and boats. He needed to cross the strait to reach Taiwan, so he had to cut down many large trees. Cutting down trees caused a loss of other vegetation in Jinmen. To make matters worse, the highest peak in the county is Taiwu Mountain, which has an elevation of only 253 meters above sea level, too low to block the wind. When the northeasterly monsoons blow in, the sky turns yellow with sand in many villages. In the early years, people couldn't go anywhere during the sandstorms. Even moving between villages was very difficult. It was just impossible to move. Past generations were fear-struck by nature's formidable power, but helpless to overcome it. With no good options, they appealed to the supernatural for assistance. Since the Shisa in front of Jinmen's temples were believed to ward off evil spirits, people in Jinmen began placing Shisa at the entrances of their villages, as well as places where the wind was strongest. In installing the Shisa, they hoped these guardian lions would help keep the wind at bay. This Shisa in Jinsha Township is cute and lovable. Chen Jiajie, a 71-year-old local, said it was placed here by his ancestors to protect the sorghum field in front of it. Hundreds of years ago, there was nothing here but the sea. People from the nearby town hoped to keep sandstorms at bay, so they built a temple and installed a shisa. The shisa was thought to protect from the wind, while a pagoda was built to protect from floods. Today, there are more than 70 shisa across Jinmen County, each uniquely designed. Although the people of Jinmen understood that trees could block the wind, it wasn't until the 1950s when KMT soldiers came to the county that a large-scale tree planting program was put into place, and the situation improved for the county's plant life. Reportedly at the time, there were 100,000 soldiers planting trees. The policy was just to aim for the tree to survive. Each soldier was responsible for a few trees, and at the time, water was limited. 
After they showered, the soldiers would take the wastewater and use it to water their trees. The survival rate of those trees was pretty high. The whole thing relied on the military. Over 20-odd years, 100,000 soldiers planted trees. The desolate desert landscape of Jinmen was replaced with lush forest. One tree at a time, that forest grew into a barrier that held back the wind. It kept strong winds at bay and trapped water in the soil. Finally, Jinmen could start growing its own agricultural produce at scale. There was a policy at the time to bring Jinmen to life, and they planted tons of fruit. The thinking was that if war broke out, Jinmen would at least have fruit to survive on. Under the protection of this vegetation, Jinmen enjoyed an ecological boom. However, when martial law was lifted and relations with China improved, Jinmen's plant life came to face new challenges. To prevent accidents from people stepping on undetonated landmines, the government initiated a seven-year program in 2007 to clear out 95,800 of the devices. The landmines were spread across an area 307 hectares in size, and removing them meant cutting down numerous trees. In effect, clearing out the landmines meant cutting down many of the trees that formed the county's wind barrier. The landmines were all planted along the coastline. The problem with that is that when your coastline is compromised, your wind barrier is compromised, and the size of the compromised area keeps growing. So we kept losing our barrier along the coast. But there were also other problems like coastal erosion. Once again, sandstorms became a burden for the people of Jinmen. The county's forestry bureau attempted to reforest the coastline, but it no longer had 100,000 soldiers to ensure that trees grew healthy. The coast was hit by strong winds, and the sand-covered land was unable to hold water. Despite repeated attempts, the bureau remained unsuccessful. We planted in this area here last spring. Initially, the Bureau kept failing in its restoration attempts here, and only roughly 10% of the trees we planted survived. This was the only tree that survived. It's a hibiscus tiliaceous tree. You can see it taking shape. Its leaves are so small. The trunk just stopped growing. It's already been a year. The saplings planted here failed to thrive. But then, in 2019, a sapling flown over from Taiwan proper took root, bringing hope to Jinmen's reforestation efforts. A hibiscus tilaceous tree planted in 2021 in its water-retaining planter grew better than that planted directly into the ground a year before. The new tree's leaves were large and healthy. So, what's so special about the planter that allows for such an improvement in growth? The planter is actually only comprised of three parts. A rope that guides the water, the pot, and a cover. When we want to plant something, we first measure the distance between two saplings with this rope and mark where they will be planted. The two ends of the rope are where we will plant. After we mark that out, we can dig. So we grab the hoe and dig a hole. Then we set down the plant and place one end of the rope next to the roots of the plant. The core of the planter is this red rope. After placing it next to the plant's roots, it will act like a capillary, continuously drawing water close to the roots. 15 liters of water poured into the planter can provide water to the two saplings for an entire month. When a sapling is first planted in the ground, its roots are drawing water, but they haven't fully formed. 
at that point, we have to keep watering the plant until it reaches a certain level of maturation. After that, it can draw water on its own from the ground and grow independently. With the protection of the planter, these saplings will grow tall to form a wind barrier. Even if planted by the coastline, they can survive the winter and stand up to floods, as well as the high temperatures and dry air of the summer. In the summer, when the temperatures reach nearly 90 degrees Celsius, the planter can keep its water at a cool 45 degrees. Temperatures of 90 degrees can be fatal for a sapling, but at 45 degrees, it can continue to grow. These chinaberry trees were planted by the Jinmen Forestry Bureau as part of its first set of trees for use as a wind barrier. Planted in April 2020, they've grown to roughly one meter in height. For reforestation purposes, the three-year mark is crucial in the growth of new trees. In the first year, the root system develops, and in the second year, the sapling grows to roughly the height of an adult's chest, and by the third year, it should reach the height of an adult's head. After that, the tree will not need any special attention. Currently, we have about 20,000 trees growing. Whether to expand that in the future will depend on what's happening with our work in forests elsewhere. We hope that within five years, we can replace all the trees along Jinmen's coastline. The Bureau's success with growing trees is music to the ears of the public. Jinmen residents have even allowed access to their property for growing more trees. First of all, our living situation is precarious. The sandstorms are powerful. Secondly, if your windows aren't sealed properly, you could end up with sand in your food. In the face of this adversity, people are happy to provide access to their property for growing trees. Trees take years of nurture to grow tall, but once they're big and strong, they become powerful protectors. One tree at a time, Jinmen's new forest is taking hold, gaining the strength needed to hold back the sands and the wind and to take its place as the modern-day Shizha.